This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. This week's Spotlight, we're going to be talking about a couple different things. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Hello, this is Lynn Ponton. And uh, I'm here today with uh, Jen for Let's Talk About Sex, Spotlight on Sex with Lynn and Jen. And we have a new colleague with us today, Jesse Hewitt. And I think it's good that there are three of us because it's a big topic we're going to approach on this spotlight, which is really being in the middle of the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, having experienced recently the Judiciary Committee vote and awaiting for information from the Senate about what is to follow. So big topic for our country and definitely related to gender and sexual issues. And I'd like to welcome you, Jesse. Thanks. So good to be here. And Jen, my partner and colleague in this endeavor, I'm looking forward to our discussion. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is going to be exciting because we have three people here and we're kind of trying out a new a new recording situation. So for our listeners, please bear with us as we're trying to get this hooked up and hopefully everything goes smoothly. Maybe we could each just share a bit of where we're at individually with our reactions to watching the Kavanaugh hearings yesterday and this morning. And certainly it's uh, really mobilized our, our country in a way that reminds us of the Anita Hill Clarence Thomas hearings years ago. And a lot of calls I've gotten from patients about it, parents of, with children, what to do with them. So there's a lot of different things going on related to this. Yeah, my phone's blowing up. And it's interesting because as you bring that up, what I'm challenged by is, again, sort of having to manage my own process and my own understanding of this while also trying to be able to assist, guide, and support my clients through it. And I know last year after the election, we recorded kind of the day after the results, and I just felt like a mess because, you know, people have legitimate questions about what do I say to my kids? What do I do in this situation? How do we make sense of what's going on? And I'm the kind of person who needs a little bit of time in order to process what's happening. And so having, I feel very much in a similar situation where, you know, I'm trying to think about other people and, and what is going on, but also within me, like, I realized that I felt ill all week, just going through this, the reminders about Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill, the fact that, you know, this is happening on such a large stage. And while things have changed in society in many ways, the way this situation is playing out is very, very similar. And having to deal with those two realities and make sense of them is, it's honestly making me very scattered. I'm having a hard time talking, as you can tell. But 
that's really what's happening to me is I'm, I'm trying to take in all this input and make sense of things. And it's very hard for me. And I think you mirror, Jen, what's going on really with people throughout our country and the world as they listen to this. Yeah. Not everybody has their 10 tips ready to go with how to deal with or handle this. What's it like for you, Jesse? Yeah, I relate, Jen. <laughs> I really do relate. I am not a therapist, and I don't have any particular uh, professional responsibility for other people's reactions to this, but I'm a friend, and I'm a partner to people, and I'm a family member, and I'm a citizen of various communities who are affected by this in different ways. And um, yeah, it's been a really, really intense time. I feel like there's a number of things going on. You know, uh, for me, on the one hand, my phone is blowing up in a different way. Um, I'm hearing a lot of close friends texting and saying, wow, you know, what a crazy day, like listening to, to Dr. Ford talk about putting, you know, two front doors on her house really makes me somehow soothed and validated about the fact that I'm sometimes afraid in my own home. You know, there's a there's kind of a shared fear and triggering going on amongst a lot of people, which is, of course, both difficult and re-triggering. Mm -hmm. And then there's also some sort of community and sort of river of transference happening amongst a lot of people that in a way is powerful and beautiful. Well, it's a reflection so, of the Me Too movement where yeah. where people were triggered and they're bringing up their stories and they're building a community around understanding that they're not alone in their stories. Absolutely. And as painful as it is to see this extraordinary person having to give t this painful testimony, um, to have it be on such a large stage, like you said, Jen, is also doing this strange but important work that we're witnessing in general right, right now during a time of late-stage patriarchy um, where this kind of stuff is oddly bringing people together in really critical ways. So, And in not only about the Me Too movement, I think what you're talking about, Jesse, it's the beginning of conversations, ongoing conversations, really about these gender issues because it's very clear both uh, Kavanaugh and Dr. Blasey Ford talked yesterday. A lot of other people talked in those hearings. and But people all over the world listened and then conversed about these subjects. So it's really opening up the conversations in ways you and I, Jen, have talked about has to happen. Even though I struggled with listening to Judge Kavanaugh and what he had to say, I did listen and I listened to the fact that he felt attacked by this. He was very angry about this. This is a voice, too, that is very powerful right now in the culture that we're really dealing with. And I think the rest of the country, they're listening to both the voices. Dr. Ford was amazing. She did remind me of Anita Hill and listening to those hearings 30-some years ago. Yep, She was courageous, I think, in speaking out. And I also was reminded of Clarence Thomas when I listened to Judge uh, Kavanaugh. So there were a lot of memories triggered there for me and for many of my friends who are, shall we say, in the over 60 generation here. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, listening to Kavanaugh was oddly or not oddly particularly painful for me. That, I, that was my point where I started to realize I had to turn off turn off the screen, turn off the audio, um, not engage anymore. I, I'm so continuously curious and invested in how men are speaking about this to one another and about one another. Um, and I know 
that we've all, all of us human beings, have had different rearings and different um, kind of exposures or engagements with ideas of feminism and how it how it guides us in our lives. And especially as men, it can be a really strong rudder for how you actually experience other men. And I happen to have had a lot of uh, exposure to and engagement with incredible women and non-binary folks who really embody incredible feminist ideals. And so watching Kavanaugh is really painful. It's horrible. It's re-triggering. It it makes me remember all the ways that I'm incredibly uncomfortable and just kind of devastated and let down by, by men and by masculinity in general. Maybe, Jesse, just saying for our listeners, was it his voice, his face, what he was saying, or all of it? What specifically triggered you about Judge Kavanaugh? There is a face, you know, there's a face of rage. There's a contorted, defiant, um, I will not be told that I'm wrong kind of face that I think we all know and have seen before. And the subtle sneer. Yep. <laughs> you said it. Yeah. I just, I'm just i just going to go straight for it. Like, that's what it is. Because the rage, like, we've seen people get enraged. Women also get enraged when they feel that they're allowed to. But it's this inner, like, it goes back to what I said a long time ago in one of our episodes, where it's, it's that flip that you see from entitled men between entitled and victim. And, and there's no in-between. And you see that in that sneer. Mm-hmm. For me listening to Judge Kavanaugh, it really reminded me of many things our president has been doing and tutoring men in, which is really to fight back hard, aggressively, and to take power over. And it's that stance and seeing it so clearly in contrast with the morning testimony, and then mirrored by the Republican Party members on the committee, that was really very difficult to hear. This was quite similar to Clarence Thomas's defense of his own position years ago. And they used some of the same words, circus. You know, they, it brought back even the word triggers were hard to hear. At the time that we heard Clarence Thomas defend himself, we hadn't, I think, as a country yet realized how important this struggle between the, the women trying to speak out and the women and the men really, as you say, Jesse, trying to speak out against a harsh patriarchy that doesn't respect others. Absolutely. And honestly, y'all, there is, as we've all come to know, like, there is nothing more dangerous than a cornered man who's being told that he's wrong. And it's, it's really, you know, cornered patriarchal man. Well, find me one that's not, but yeah. (laughs) And I would add a cornered patriarchal person. Because it could be yes, the inner I, woman. That's what I was going to If you adopt the dogma, yes. no matter what the dogma is, because we have women who are complicit oh, with so these so. views that really that women are a lower group or entity. So I, I think it's a cornered person who reacts in this way. Yes, no, absolutely. It's interesting. One of the things that, that we brought up earlier when we were talking about preparing to have this talk Mm, was that both Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh have used this term um, uncategorical in the way that they deny the allegations. That's exactly what was running through my mind as Lynn was talking about those words. And it's, yeah. And and Jen and I were discussing earlier how uncategorical as a qualifier just shuts down any nuance 
about people, the way they think, the way they feel, why they do things, you know? If something is uncategorically denied, it's just becomes there's, no conversation. there's just no conversation. And it really does to me it ties in with the way that patriarchy prescribes that there is a right and wrong and a black and white and that there is simply no middle ground. There's no liminality. And we all have experienced the ways that that shut, shuts down our options for experiencing our own selves in our lives, you know? And so it has been chilling to watch that word uncategorical come up again in this case because it reminds me that we are still systemically just gripped by the idea that things have to be one way or the other, right or wrong. And so, of course, Dr. Ford's testimony, which is full of places that she cannot remember specific things about because of the complex psychiatry of trauma, is seen as not legitimate because it does not fit into the black or white, right or wrong, this or that kind of box, you know? And you also, or we heard yesterday of how people speak quite differently. Dr. Ford spoke tentatively, openly. And as you were talking about, Jesse, Judge Kavanaugh was really using words to shut down our thoughts so we didn't have questions about him, so that he didn't question himself, because we've talked about how people groom themselves to be in this type of position of power. So he was highly self-groomed and groomed, I think, some by others to be in this position. But it was very difficult to really listen to the afternoon testimony that he gave. Very difficult because it shut down thoughts, I think, for all of us in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was something that I kept coming back to is, you know, I was thinking about how Dr. Blasey Ford was talking about how there are certain things that are like indelibly imprinted on your hippocampus and how other things you just kind of forget. And working with survivors or people who have been trauma victims, however you want to define yourself, a lot of what they're working through are these little bits and pieces of things that come up. The sound of an airplane makes them think, you know, this reminds me of this. I had a kid who was talking about the sound of the washing machine reminded him of what happened with a fire, you know? So it's all these little tiny details that really, that really cling to us, I guess you would say. And one of the things that clings to me is words like that. Whenever I hear the word uncategorically now, I just like get this like gross feeling in my body. And it's because I only hear it in the context of these sexually predatory defenders, people defending their sexual predation. I guess maybe that's a more accurate way of saying it. But so now I just associate that word with that. Maybe to shift us a bit our discussion and talk about what we think our listeners would benefit from at this time, how they can get through it, what is helping all of us get through this. And you know, from myself, I'll, I'll just say first that I think having watched Anita Hill years ago, and I bought the tape, so I've watched over and over again for my own reasons, because I had a, a similar lawsuit 30 some years ago, but I bought the tape, listened to it, and I felt a similar feeling with Dr. Ford, that really of uh, watching somebody open up, develop, really grow in front of you and pull the rest of us along with her. 
And uh, I found it inspirational, really, to hear her and to see the way the committee really worked differently with her presence. And I think for our listeners out there to be aware that there is there are models, there are people who've survived trauma, there are people who fought back, and they're still continuing to do this, and they live for us in this way. So I think it's a very important thing to be aware of that, that these people exist. Then you mentioned, Jen, the trauma triggers. I would encourage our listeners to dose what they can of these hearings. They're going to be going on for a while. You turn the vocal part off or the visual part. Um, a little of both. A little times. of both. <laughs> and our, our listeners can do that. You can turn your phones off. You can limit in the input that you're getting and certainly get enough sleep and rest and food during this period so you have strength to go through something like this. Yeah, I think another thing is reaching out to people. You know, the, people are wanting to talk about this and it's much harder when you keep it to yourself. So even as we're talking here, we're processing some of it with each other, you know? And so realizing, I think the most important thing is you do not have to be silent. You do not have to be silent. I think it's a very important piece of advice and and to choose maybe who you do talk to, right? you know, and protect yourself. But you do not have to be silent about this, because that's what the patriarchy pushes for is silence. Absolutely. And I would also say surround yourself with resources and media that empower you. I mean, literally pick up, pick up your feminist theory text and be reminded that curiosity and non-binaristic thinking and valuing, you know, curiosity over explanations and understanding that multiple truths are real, all of these important tenets, you know, tenets of contemporary feminism, this is moving us into the future. Like, reconnect to the fact that that is real. And what's going on in the Supreme Court right now is yet another lifting of yet another veil that is bringing us closer to being able to see what systems are actually at play here. And that can ultimately be very empowering. You know, Jesse, you've just joined our program, but you're already providing, I think, so much important information for people. And you have a real grounded theoretical background in feminism. Not many men do, some do, and you're an example of that. And what stands out for you from that background that would be important for men to pay attention to? What does feminism really offer at this point? To me, it's funny. I, I'm surprised at what a quick answer I have oh. to that. But I really do. It's very clear. We must value porousness and curiosity over trying to find the answer. I truly believe that cre creating some sort of monolithic or singular answer to any issue, any problem, any conflict is the hand of patriarchy working. If we understand that there's a plurality to our feelings, our impulses, our intentions, and our stories then we actually also make room for those of others. So to me, it is, it is really about leading with curiosity and listening and knowing that there's a lot of things going on for a lot of people at once and one cannot be valued over the other. You know what I mean? No, I think that's really important. Yeah. Jen, you talked too about um, how we came together, you and I, around Trump's election the day after. And we had this podcast really often to talk about guiding parents, but we realized there's so many gender and sexual-based issues in our country that we had to move forward. And I have to thank you for pushing me 
to start and move this podcast in different directions, expanding it, because these conversations have really opened me up, my friends up, other listeners. It's been amazing. Well, I appreciate you as well, Lynn, because I think one of the things that we do and I hear from our listeners they're reflecting is because we come from different generations, we sometimes have different perspectives on things, but we're respectful with each other and we really do listen and go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like, I wouldn't have thought about that. You know, and I, I don't think there, one, we've said this all the time, there aren't that many cross-generational conversations, but also how do we respect, you know, instead of blaming, which is a no-win situation for everyone involved, how do we have these dialogues where it's like, oh, okay, I can see how, you know, that was how society was at that time and that would shape you. And these are some of the things that are affecting me right now and how it shapes me. And I'm sure when I have children, because I want to have children, you know, when I have conversations like this with them, they're going to be shaped by the society they're, they're in. And so being able to have an actual conversation where you can see that someone may not think exactly as you do, but that there are points of agreement and there are points of disagreement and that's okay. And it, it's exactly what you're saying, the nuance. And you mentioned the whole future conversations with children and our children are listening and watching this. So just briefly, I think parents need to have conversations with them about it. They need to check in with them about it your kids, and they need to really be sensitive to the amount of media viewing that kids are involved with in terms of this. And I want to add to that, you know, it reminds me a lot of kind of the therapist role, like as parents, please make sure you're taking care of yourself first, and you're figuring out what you want to say and what you think about these things, because those are very important. And you don't need to ha push yourself into these conversations with your kids when you're not ready, but do make the time for yourself and then have the conversation. Very good advice, Jen, in this time where we're all feeling a bit stressed. Well, this is just an opening conversation on this subject, and we will go forward and we'll have more next week, I think, when we found out more about the final decision there. But I want to thank both of you for really participating in this conversation. Yeah, thank you, Lynn. And we're excited to have you here, Jesse. It's so good to be here. Thank you both. Come on. Let's talk about sex.